But if not, and you try to run, I promise you, even if you run to the furthest end of the world, you can't get away from him. And I'll show you what happens to Jonah here. We're pretty familiar with that. And anyway, he thought he could run the, uh, completely across the known world from God and get away from him. And, and But we know that he couldn't because we know that Paul, uh, Paul the apostle said this. He said, men should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And even David the psalmist said this, if I descend into heaven, you are there. And if I descend into hell, you're there too. So no matter where you go, God's going to be there. So Jonah went, found him a boat there in, in, in Joppa. And by the way, Joppa is, is uh, an ancient seaport, part of the uh, modern city of Tel Aviv, if you're interested in that. And uh, it's interesting to me that at the city of Joppa, he was going to catch a, a boat and run away from God to speak to the Gentiles. And does anybody remember where it was that Peter was instructed by God to preach to the Gentiles? It was in Joppa. An interesting, uh, just a little thought there that, you know, this is where the call first went out and, and God brought it right back to the same place and, they, and Peter spoke to the Gentiles starting at the city of Joppa. Interesting note. So anyway, he catches him a boat, pays his fare, and uh, he's going to get on the boat and go down to Tarshish. He gets on the boat. And uh, one thing I want to back up just a little bit when we talk about God being everywhere. Uh, there was a, a, a Syrian king. Uh, I forget his name now, it doesn't matter. But anyway, he, he, uh, he came against the Israeli army, the, uh, the Hebrew army. And uh, the people in his his inner court, every time that they would make plans, you know, their plans were were given out that that the the Israelites knew beforehand what the plans were going to be, and and so they started looking for a leak, you know, kind of like a leak in our our government. This would be like a leak in the top the highest levels of government. And, and he was trying to fi find out where this leak was coming from. And his counselor said, but no, Lord. he said, King, we're, we're true to you. We're, we're faithful. He said, the problem is, is there's a, there's a prophet over there in Israel and he's telling everybody just exactly what we're going to do. He said, as a matter of fact, you can't even go and lay down in your, in your bed at night with your wife and talk, but what God doesn't hear it. So you can't run from God. He's everywhere. He, he's, he's where we are. Uh, Paul said that uh, in Him we live. And then the, the, we, we breathe and we have our being that, that He is there always. It's part of us. So you can't run away from Him. So anyway, jo Jonah gets on his boat, pays his fare. They get out on the water. And we'll go to verse 4 here. It says, But the Lord sent, a great, sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, it, important that we notice that it, the Lord sent this great wind. You know, people are, are really have a problem with the book of Jonah because it, it's such a, a book that talks about miracles and that has supernatural aspect of it. And, and the, really the problem with, with most people in the book of Jonah is the fact that there was a big fish in it, you know, that he was big enough to, to swallow Jonah. But really, when you look at Jonah... There are miracles all through the book, and this is the first one that we're looking at here. It said, God sent a great wind on the sea. 
And it was a mighty tempest. So verse 5 said, Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God. Notice that every man cried out to his God, not Lord God Jehovah. They, you know, we're talking about people that come from all different parts of the world and they have all different kind of beliefs and all concepts, and they were all calling out to their God, whomever that they, they believe that might be. And still the tempest raged. There was no stopping the tempest. They couldn't make it stop. And and what was Jonah doing? Okay. Jonah said the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. They were trying everything they could to make it work better so they wouldn't sink. But Jonah had gone down to the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. Now, I don't know if you've ever been out on the water when it was really rough, but probably a pretty much of a miracle that Jonah could even sleep, right? So we're looking at miracle number two. But, uh, you know, here's tossing and bouncing. And the Scripture says they were afraid the ship was going to break apart. That's how rough the sea was. And here's Jonah. He's just sacked out sleeping. Now, the captain was not all that happy about that. And so he came to him, verse 6, and he said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise and call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us, because all these other gods weren't doing anything. It was still raging. It was still tossing. They were still being blown to and fro. He said, maybe your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And then they said, talking about the crew of the ship, they said to one another, verse 7, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Another miracle. And just coincidence, right? The lot fell on Jonah. And so they begin to ask him and say to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? And, and what is your occupation? Where do you come from? And what is your country? And what people are you? Now, if you, if you look at this, we find out here that uh, Jonah is a little bit well, how can I put this? Nationalistic maybe be a good way to put it. Now, I am proud to be an American. I'll be honest with you. I, I am a proud to be an American. So thankful to be born in this country. Grateful for all the good things that the Lord has done for me. But if you look at Jonah here, he's got a little bit of pride in his voice when he says, he says this. So he said unto them in verse 9, I am a Hebrew. I mean, you know, that's supposed to be... He said, but I believe in the Lord. He's talking about I believe in Yahweh. And, and, and uh, it's important when we tell people who we believe in that we don't just say, you know, I believe in God. Because not only then, but in our world today, there, there are a lot of things that people call God. You know, there, there are a lot, of, a lot of different religions. Let me just put it that way. A lot of different gods and idols out there. But the key is that He served Jehovah. And that, that is the key in, in what we do today, that we serve the living God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who, whose hand was at work in, in the tempest, in the ocean, being raging. And, and, you know, and they were calling on all of their gods of stone and, and, and wood and, and whatever. And it still raged. Had no power. Only God, 
Yahweh. He said, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Now, he was taking the blame, so to speak. You know, he said, uh, I'm a Hebrew, and of course, I, I think that was a little bit, he didn't really have to be nationalistic about it. And, and you know, this is important. We as Americans tend to think God favors us. God favors those who serve Him. God favors those who obey Him. I want to be favored by God, and I'm proud to be an American, but just being an American doesn't mean that God favors me. It's because I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be the person God wants me to be. I want to be a God-fearing, a, a Jehovah-fearing American, and then He can favor me. But just being born in the United States does not make me favored, other than the fact that, that we are blessed to be in such a wonderful country. But, you know, when it comes to God, He doesn't see that. He only sees the heart. He only sees what, what comes from us to Him. Then the men were exceedingly afraid. Now, and they said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, Jehovah, because he had told him. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the, that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. So... This thing is growing. This thing is building. It, the, the waves are getting higher. The, the wind's getting stronger. I mean, they're in a, they're in a storm that, it, you know, and, and they're trying to figure out what we can do at the same time. It's getting worse. What can we do? Uh, how do we change this? Okay. You said it's your fault. What do we do to you to make, to make this change? And he said to them, verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And then the sea will become calm for you, for I know this great tempest is because of me. Now, this is interesting. Let's, let's go to verse 13. Go and read that. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Now, they knew. He, he, he confessed. He told them. He said, it's my fault. You know, I, I, it's all me. He said, why don't you just throw me overboard, you know, and, and it'll stop. But these men were compassionate enough, and, and besides the fact he paid his fare, and it's really not a, a good thing to, to throw, you know, paying customers out into the sea, you know. But anyway, he had, he had paid his fare, and, and, but they were trying to be uh, reasonable about this, and so they tried to row this ship back to land. But the Scripture says they could not. Now, when God makes up His mind, you're not going to change it until you relent. You're not going to change the, 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 what God wants to do by going about it a different way. Okay, they couldn't use the sails, so now they're going to use oars. Same effect, God wasn't going to let it happen. And it said, the sea got worse. So what did they do? Well, read there in verse 14, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray thee, O Lord, please... Do not let us perish for this man's life. I mean, don't, don't take us just because he disobeyed you. And do not charge us with 
innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done it as it pleased you. In other words, you sent the storm, Lord, to cause this man this, this trouble that he's in right now. Now, we're in it with him, but, you know, don't, don't hold it against us because we're throwing him overboard. As a matter of fact, he told us to do this, Lord, you know. And they're talking to Jehovah. They talked to their own gods and they were crying out to them. They didn't do anything. But now they're talking to Jehovah. If you look at your, your, your verses there where it says he got the capital letters, they're talking to Jehovah now. So it, it's kind of interesting that, that they changed their tune from talking to their, their gods that they're familiar with to this God that they know caused this storm and is creating this situation. So the men, so they picked up Jonah, verse 15. This is uh, the last two verses of this chapter. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Another miracle. Now the fish hadn't even shown up in the story yet, right? This, these are We've already seen miracles, and the fish hadn't even been, been introduced yet. So, yes, the book of Jonah is a book full of miracles. And, and when they threw him into the sea, it says that the storm ceased its raging. This next verse is, is interesting. It's a, good, it's a good view into human nature. And it said, Then the men feared the Lord, or feared Jehovah, exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and took vows. Yeah, I imagine they did take vows. God, if you let me out of this, you know, I promise you, I'll, I'll, I'll live for you, Jehovah. And, you know, all these other gods I'm going to put behind me, but I'm going to trust you, oh God. You know, I can imagine all kinds of vows going on once he went overboard and went into the water and the sea calmed. Now, this is where, starting in the second chapter, verse 1, this is where that, that the critics of the book of Jehovah, they kind of have their field day. You know, and, and the, we're going to read the first verse and, and I'll show you why. And said, and now the Lord, oh, I'm sorry, this is the last verse of uh, chapter 1. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and nights. Now, the experts, I use my quotation marks here, the experts will tell you that there are no fish in our the world's oceans that are, uh, that the throats are large enough to swallow a man. So, you know, you're going to read a lot of stuff in, in, in different commentaries, even Bible commentaries, that talk about the the uh, the fable of Jonah or the myth of Jonah or the or, or the legend of Jonah. But you know, they they're going to have a real problem with this, and they, and they should have a real problem with this because one of the real problems they're going to have with it is that Jesus believed it. Right? He did, because it said right here that he was in the belly of the fish three days. And what did Jesus say uh, to, the, to the scribes and the Pharisees that were asking for a sign? Now, Jesus was, was performing miracles every day of his life, going about doing good, performing miracles. And here comes the scribes and Pharisees, you know, and said, uh, we need you to show us a sign, you know, that you're really the Messiah. And Jesus refused to do that. He said, I'm not going to give you any sign except as it was in the days that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so it shall be with the Son of Man. So Jesus believed it. It wasn't a legend to Him. It wasn't just a story. It wasn't a myth. Jesus believed that Jonah was in the belly of the fish. And I'm going to tell you what, if Jesus believed it, 
I'm right there with him. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to trust Jesus' side of the story and I'm going to believe it. Now, they, they did say, or they, they do, do say, that the sperm whale is the only fish slash animal, I'll, you know, because we know that a whale is really a mammal, but it's the only thing in the ocean that possibly has a throat big enough to swallow a man. And, and a, a lot of the experts say that can't happen, but the experts want to hide the fact that they have found uh, squid tentacles inside sperm whales that were five feet in diameter. Five feet in diameter. You know, diameter. This is this big around. Now, that tells me that there's some pretty large squid out there too. But, yeah, <laughs> they said that they had found places on sperm whales, on, on whales, just different species, that the suction cups were a foot in diameter where they, their tentacles had grabbed onto these whales. So don't tell me there's not something out there that could, couldn't swallow a man and maintain him in his, his belly for three days because it happened with Jonah. And, and a five foot in diameter, that, that would be nothing to swallow a man. So anyway, it says that Jonah was in the belly of the, of the fish. We're not told what kind of fish it was, but that's what it was. He was in there for, for three days, three nights. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. This just blows me away. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and He answered me. What was the last verse we just read in chapter 1? He was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And verse 1 of chapter 2 says, Then He cried out unto the Lord. He must have been one stubborn man. He did not want to go preach to Nineveh, right? I'm not going to do it. I don't care. Even if I'm in the belly of this fish for three days, I'm not going to do it. You know, and that's the way people are sometimes. We set our hearts and we set our face against what God wants us to do, even though that it's the hardest thing we could ever do. I mean, you know, this is a stubborn man. I told you he was a knothead, right? And, and this, is, this is part of my proof in what I'm saying about Jonah. He was definitely hard-headed at the most or at the least. Anyway, he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the be belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Now, the word Sheol here is so sometimes, and in, in matter of fact, in, in the King James Version, was translated as hell. So out of the belly of hell I cried, and you heard my voice. Now, I can imagine. I mean, you know, he, he, must have, he might have even thought that he died and gone to hell. And think about it. He's in total darkness. I mean, he's in this place. It's, it, it's you know, if it was a whale, it, it's hot in there. It, uh, the body temperature of a whale is about what it is on a human. It, it's about 100 degrees. So it's hot. It's human, humid. He, he's got all these digestive juices flowing around in there. He's sloshing around in it, you know. And, and he might have thought he was in hell already. But he said, out of the belly of hell I cried. And you heard me. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. And then, then I said, I've been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not. I, I, I had forgotten it until I read this. And 
that uh, when um, Solomon dedicated the temple in, in Jerusalem, that, that he made the declaration that no matter where that, that a, a Hebrew was in the world, that if he turned toward the temple, you know, and, and he prayed, it, it, as long as he was facing the temple, that God would hear his voice. Now, we know that, that that's not necessary for God to hear our voice, but that was basically what they believed. If they could turn their face toward the temple, you know, that, that God would hear their voice. Now, I don't know how that Jonah figured out which way was the temple, you know, in the belly of the fish. But evidently, he, he just picked out a direction or whatever and, and pointed his face toward, toward it. And he, he began to pray and, and began to cry out to God. And we can see some of the things here that he's talking about. He said, the waters, in verse 5, the waters surrounded me, even to my soul. Now, inside the belly, I'm sure that, that there's there are fluids, there are all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, it must have been really nasty. I mean, think about this, you know. And and uh, it said, the deep closed around me and weeds were wrapped around my head. And, and I get this picture. Here, here's Jonah, you know, and all his his you know, beard and, and long hair and everything, and he's got weeds wrapped all around. Seaweed. You know, he, so he's describing his misery. He's, he's in seaweed wrapped around him, you know, and, 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 and I'm sure it smells bad, it's hot, it's humid. You know, he's just not in a good place. And so he's crying out to God, finally. And he said, I went down to the moorings of the mountains. So this this fish or this this creature was going down into the deep and and he may have went all the way down sounding all the way maybe to the bottom of the ocean and here's Jonah in there and I'm sure that that the ride was was as tempestuous as the sea was when he was in the ship that he was up and down that he you know he probably got seasick oh you know just if you think about this situation it can't there's nothing about it that can be considered good nothing He's dark. He, it's dark in there. He's separated from God. And that's what hell is. Is separation from God. That's the real hell. It's not the fact that it, that it may be torment. It, it's not the fact that it may be uh, hot. It's not the fact that, you know, that, that all these horrible beings are, are, are around you. It's the fact that God's not there at all. That's hell. And and I'm sure that that's what Jonah was feeling. That and he, he talks about right here in the next verse about uh, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. In other words, it's all ending. It's over with. You know, he 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 thought he was done. That his life was completed. It was over with. And he is separated from God. And then the next verse, next part of that verse says, "Yet you have brought up my life from the pit." O Lord, O Jehovah, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. It took him that long to remember the Lord? I mean, this guy is, is hard-headed. You know, when, when I thought I was finally just going to die, then I, oh, by the way, Lord, you're there, you know. We don't have to wait till we're about to die or feel like we're about to die or feel like that, that, that hell on earth is closing in around us. We don't have to wait that long. As long as we remember that God is with us, 
See, he waited a long time to remember. Oh, by the way, I remembered the Lord. So, he did remember the Lord, and his prayer went up into his holy temple. Verse 8. This is a real truth that Jonah shares with us in verse 8 of chapter 2. I'm going to read it out of this, the New King James I've got it here. It said, Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Now, in uh, the, the King James, I believe it's... Uh, let me see if I can find where I've got that written down. Uh, the King James reads like this. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. It was a lie for Jonah to believe he could escape the presence of God. It was a lie to think that anything that Jonah could do would be better than what God wanted him to do. It is a lie for me to think that I can, can maintain happiness apart from what God wants me to be or what God wants me to do. And I'm going to be honest with you folks, there was a time in my life I thought I could. That I thought I could be happy without that fellowship with God. And I was wrong. Just as wrong as Jonah was then, I was, I was that wrong. I could not be happy without the presence of God. I could not be happy without that fellowship with Him. And so it, it's, a, it's a real truth here. It says, those that observe lying fantasies are these, these worthless idols. In other words, you believe in something besides the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D then you're lying to yourself. And there's no bigger liar than me when I lie to myself. That's as bad as it gets. So, when we can understand that there is nothing to be gained apart from God, we've made a great step in the right direction. And it was a great step in the right direction for Jonah. Because he, he went on to say this, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. And you know, this is what we're told. He didn't have a, a, a way that he could make a, a sacrifice with a fire and, and put a lamb on the fire and all this kind of stuff. But we're told in Hebrews that it, we can give a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips giving thanks. And that's exactly what he did in this case. And that's always acceptable to God. And he said, I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. No other way to gain salvation. You can't do it. Now, not just salvation is of the Lord. Look at your, look at your Bible. Salvation is of the capital L-O-R-D, is of Jehovah. So, let's move on to, ver to chapter 3, rather. Uh, wait a minute. I think I cut us a little short there. Ah, yes, yes, yes. One verse short. So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Another miracle. The Lord spoke to the fish. Now we didn't even talk about the miracle of the fish, but you know we assume that one because that's the one that everybody thinks about. But there's two miracles here. The Lord spoke to the fish and number two, where did He spit him out? Dry land. That's, that's a miracle. They're out in the middle of the ocean or the middle of the sea. And, and He could have spit him out in the middle of the sea, but He didn't. So... The book is full of miracles. And so he spit him out on dry land. 
And then we go to chapter 3. And the, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Interesting here that God brought Jonah right back to his place of failure. Have you ever been there? That, that, that you failed God somewhere, and when you, you're reinstated, God brings you right back to that place. Gave him his, his second chance right there at the same place. He said he spoke again to him and told him the very same thing again. And then jo, 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 Jonah, I'll get it out in just a second. Jonah did what he was supposed to do. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three-day journey in extent. Now this is what I was speaking of a while ago. In extent is what the, the Scripture says, a three-day journey to walk across Nineveh. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk, and then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Period. Exclamation point. Did you notice there's no preaching of repentance at all in this? Jonah did not like the Ninevites. He didn't like them. He, he figured they were a threat to him and his people. So he walks a, a day's journey into the city. And he said, 40 days and it's going to be brought down. There you go. See you later. You know, and he takes off. I mean, you know, no repentance, no what if. You know, if you change your ways, none of that. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. That's verse 5. Verse 6, Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. It's interesting. The people believed. The people proclaimed the fast. The king heard of it and said, You know what? That's a good idea. And, and sometimes I think our politicians need to Take a breath and listen to the people. Sometimes the people can hear from God and, and hear the king said, you know what, they're right. So he proclaimed this fast. He made it official. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them drink, eat or drink water. Even the animals, they weren't supposed to eat. They weren't supposed to drink anything. Now, can you imagine all the, the livestock that was in these cities, you know, or in this city, and being this big, and, and all the noise. They were all hungry. All the cattle were, you know, I need something to drink. I need something to eat. And whatever. None, you know, that's, that's not even considering people like me that I need to eat, you know. I needed something, that, some nourishment. But it was a proclamation that that could not happen. But let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. He recognized that they were a violent people. This is the king talking. He said, let the violence turn away from the violence that is in our hands. And who could tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger that we may not perish. Now, I told you that Jesus referred to Jonah. Well, he referred to him twice. One time we talked about the fish, but the other time when he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, and he said that this generation, 
This generation that I'm preaching to is going to be condemned by the people of Nineveh. When Jonah preached to them and they rose up and they repented and, and they, they fasted and they were in sackcloth and ashes and they repented and, and there was not even any redemption preached. There was no repentance preached and yet they did. And here is the Son of God preaching to you people and you're not accepting it. He said they're going to stand up on judgment day and point their finger at you and condemn you. So, they didn't have the promise that we've got. They didn't have it. All they had was a hope, really. Because it says right here, maybe, maybe the God of Israel will, will grant us this. Maybe, he'll, maybe He won't destroy us. The, the verse goes on uh, next and says, uh, when, Then God saw their works, verse 10 says, then God saw their works that they turned from the evil way and God relented from the disaster that He said He would bring upon them and He did not do it. Now, let me just stop right here just for a second. Our ways are not God's ways. And, and when He says that God relented, and I think King James says He repented, um, God doesn't have to repent of anything. He's not, he doesn't think the same way. Or we don't think the same way that God thinks. We don't even have the language to express some of the things that, that, that God has and does. And, and one of the things that we don't have the, the way to express about God not destroying this. He didn't change His mind because the Scripture says this, I am God, the Lord thy God, and I change not. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same. So what happened? He knew, given the opportunity, these people would repent. He knew. Now, everything that God promises is conditional. You know that? You know, if you will, I will. If you will hear me, I will do whatever. So everything is conditional. So you, and you know, this may be even a conditional thing from God. I don't know. Don't pretend to know. And, and really don't have to. Because I can't explain. So, let's go quickly. Give me just a few more minutes to uh, chapter 4. This is interesting. It said, But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. Jonah is probably the only evangelist in the world, the history of the world, that got angry because he had such a successful revival. I mean, come on, think about it. The whole city repents, and he's mad about it. Jonah really didn't like these people. It said it displeased him not just a little bit. It said it, it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord. Oh God, he said, he said, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? And therefore I previously fled to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. You know, you're not going to kill these people. Just go ahead and kill me. What? <laughs> He's a knothead. I'm just, you know, he said, it's better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? And I just had this mental picture. How many times if, well, even me as an adult, or, or you know, you, you, you're angry about something, and somebody comes up with this logical argument right in the middle of all your anger, 
you know, and, and said, is this really right? And you just want to stick your hand to your pockets and, you know, I don't know if it's right or not, but I know that, you know, wander off. And well, that's what Jonah did. He just, he didn't answer God. Look, look at your Bible and read. He didn't answer God at all. But what he did do, he said he went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and he made himself a shelter and sat in, in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. So Jonah is going out there and he's thinking, you know what? Maybe he'll go ahead and, and destroy it anyway. Let me just go out here and sit on the hill and I'm just going to sit here and watch. And he built him a little booth, you know, and a little something to cover over his head. And uh, it said in verse 6 that God prepared a plant and he made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And as it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he felt faint. Now, you've got to get this picture. Jonah's sitting up there waiting for something to happen to the Ninevites. And God makes him a little shade over his little booth and he, he's so thankful for it. You know, and I can just imagine, well, thank you, Lord. I mean, you know. But, and then he, the next morning when he wakes up, the, he's prepared a worm. And the worm is eating so much of the plant that it withers and dies. And not only that, he said he has sent an east wind. Now you have to understand where Nineveh is. On the west side of Nineveh, there are bodies of water. That if you get a west wind, you get a little bit of cool off the water. On the east side of Nineveh, it's nothing but desert for miles and miles and miles. And as a matter of fact, I looked it up. This wind is, is what we call a Scirocco wind. It's that hot, it's just a terrible hot wind. It can be over 100 degrees blowing hot. And that's what God sent His way. Now, God prepared the fish. God prepared the plant. God prepared the worm. And God prepared the wind. If you look at it, the same word, the same Hebrew word, is used in every single one of those preparations. And it probably is better translated as appointed so God appointed this to happen and then here we go good old Jonah and he, then he wished death for himself he said oh it's better for me to die than to live you know and then God said to Jonah is it right for you to be angry about the plant and Jonah says you better believe it's right for me to be angry even to death now he's mad about a plant and he said, yeah, I have the right to be angry about this plant even to my own death. But the Lord says, you've had pity on the plant for which you've not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And why should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. Now I want to thank you for being with me today and staying with me. I'm telling you, this guy really, he had some things going on. You know what's, I've wondered, will we see Jonah in heaven? I don't know. We, we, he's left there on the side of the hill, you know, arguing with God. You know, and, and the book's gone, it's closed out. So, I don't know, but even God can, can use a knothead. And but there are actually three points I'd like to make with this 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 book. You can't escape God's presence. I don't care where you run, 
how hard you try. God knows what's best for me. Even though I think I might know how to handle it, God still knows what's best. And that God is merciful and He's long-suffering. And David said, His mercy endures forever. To God be the glory. Thank you. We thank you so much for being here today. ask you once again as the, as the pastor's gone to continue to remember him in prayer. Uh, they're, they're really well. Great, great ministry. We appreciate that. And uh, is there anything else that needs to be said here? I, I just want us to, to remember this one thing. That whenever you think your ways are better, read Jonah. Uh, you know, just read the book of Jonah. Because there are times I think, God, I don't, I don't you know, I think, I think I know better than that. And I, I think I'd be real smart to read Jonah and figure out I don't know better than that. But, you know, let God lead you. Don't run from Him. You know, don't. It's easy to make excuses to try to, 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 move away from the missions and the callings that God has, has called us to, to be in. So I appreciate you very much. I, I ask you to stand with me at this time. And if there's anybody here this morning that, that you feel like that, that you need some direction in your life, and maybe you feel like that you're headed kind of in a direction that well, maybe I'm not doing exactly what God wants me to do. I want to give you opportunity this morning to change that. So if you would, I'd just like you to bow your heads. If you feel that, just lift your hand. I'd like to pray for you. If you're headed in a direction that you think maybe God would like to turn you from. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Father, we thank you so much for your love and mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you are not only willing but You want to be right there with us, Lord, leading us. Lord, uh, the psalmist said that, that if I ascend to heaven, You're there. If I descend to hell, You're there. And that if I take the wings of the morning and go to the uttermost parts of the sea, that You're there to lead me, to take my hand and Your hand holds me. Lord, and that's, that's what we're looking for today. Hold our hands, Lord. Guide us. Teach us, O God. And help us to be willing servants, O Lord. Lord, to, to not think of others as just those people, but to think of them as the people that You've created, that there is mercy in You and there should be mercy in us because we're of You. And Lord, we bless You. We appreciate You. We love You in Jesus' name. We give You praise. Amen. I bless you. <laughs>